It's Fox Top 5, the podcast where the hosts always agree to disagree. This week on Fox Top 5, Dana Perino. I will never trash a book publicly. Um, I will just never talk about it. But if I love a book, I will praise it. And Trey Gowdy. Trey Gowdy. I read your book. That's and, true. And, and I was I was not your intended audience, no. but I, I have a daughter and I work with young women and I loved your book and I learned a lot. Come together to share their top five books to read this summer. Here are this week's hosts, Dana and Trey. Welcome to Fox Top 5. I'm Trey Gowdy. I am with my good friend, the co-anchor of America's Newsroom, the co-host of The Five, and the author of Everything Will Be Okay, including the podcast by that name, Dana Perino. We are thrilled that you have joined us. Hey, hey, Trey Gowdy. It's great to be back with you to talk about books. Well, you know what? I mean, this is a little bit like playing basketball with Michael Jordan. Uh, you, number one, read that you, you have written more books than I've read. So That's not true, because but, when we did this the last time, you blew me away because you are reading deep and heavy, and that is just, not, I'm not. I read the sparkle notes. You read uh, a <laughs> Crime and Punishment, which is like punishment. Um, you, if you ever if you can ever make it through that it's it's like running a marathon you're so happy you did it although it's painful while you're doing it um i predict either that or anna uh corinne you know you you would actually i, did, I read that one i did read that one did you like it well partly because i was like at least there's some romance <laughs> there is and there's a look there's no there is none in crime and punishment there is no romance. nope nope so i've had a fantastic reading year so far Last year, I did not. And I still read a lot, but I didn't love a lot that I had read. But this year, I've had a great year. How's your year going, reading-wise? Um, well, in 15 or 20 years, when you get to be my age, you will uh, understand the challenge of uh, reading for long periods of time without uh, falling asleep. So no, that's... I know, I know. I... I, I tend to like I'll read sometimes on the weekends and at night I do like to read because it makes me uh, calm down and, and be ready to go to bed but I gotta ask you something I'm you're not 15 years older than me uh you are seven years maybe, older than me I I don't I don't know but I I think I've lived a harder and less virtuous life than you you so are the same I'm, age as Gutfeld and see how you see how youthful he acts and looks I've had a, I've had a I, would you a, call that Youthful or immature? Ha <laughs> ha, kidding. He's not here to kick me under the table. Well, um, I have read uh, I have read things that are uh, vast and varied, uh, but there but there's a reason for it. So there's really not any rhyme or reason to what I picked to read. Okay. Well, so we're going to give you our top five. And so we'll go from five, four, three, two, one. So one being your most favorite or the one you recommend the most for the year. Does that make sense? Yes, ma'am. All right. Number five. So my first one, I'll kick it off. Um, I just read it last weekend. I read it in a day. Um, it was called, let's see, Northern Spy by a woman named Flynn Berry. And she has written some other books I have not read. She wrote an Under the Harrow and A Double Life. Well, this book I thought was so well written. It's a mystery, but it takes place during a time that I feel like I didn't really know enough about. 
Um, and that was during the Troubles, as they were called, in Northern Ireland with the oh, yeah. IRA. And the story is about two sisters who become entangled in the IRA. Uh, one very willingly and one reluctantly. And I thought this was fantastic. The, their relationship is great. But I just didn't know how sophisticated, really, that the IRA was in terms of the way that they operated. And so I learned a lot about it, and I highly recommend this book. Uh, if you're looking for a beach read or a vacation read, it's a page turner. Well, I should have read that instead of what came in uh, as number five on my list, which is a book called The Stranger by Albert Camus. Oh my gosh. It is <laughs> deep. As I said, deep, deep, deep. <laughs> it leaves you with, well, I'll tell you why I read it. I mean, I know he's an absurdist. I know that he thinks life is irrational and absurd. And I knew that all that before going into it, but it is considered a classic. And so I try to work in books that other people think are important. And the only conclusion I can reach at the end of having read The Stranger, which is a very short book and it's easy to read, is this is not the way you should live life, but it is the way other people do, either by choice or not by choice. And to understand going through life thinking that it is irrational maybe can help someone in your sphere that you care about um, that views life the way Camus does. And that's the only positive I can take from uh, that week of my life that I spent reading The Stranger. I have a, actually, um, it, it, maybe it's in the funny and the telling now, it wasn't at the time. In August of 2006, on the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, President Bush, he did an interview. He um, listened to us as we recommended. He do an interview with Brian Williams of NBC News in New Orleans to talk about um, the recovery. And NBC News had this big thing called The Long Road Back, and they did a feature story on Katrina all the time. And a lot had been accomplished in that year, so we thought he should do that. And towards the end of it, Brian Williams goes, so, Mr. President, I see that you have put out the, your summer reading list. And, uh, you know, some people are kind of surprised that you read. And the president <laughs> just looks at him and goes, is that right? Uh, he goes, on there, your list is Les Strangers by Albert Camus. And he says it in the French accent. And the president <sighs> says, right. And he explains it's about existentialism and blah, whatever. Anyway, rarely did President Bush ever give me grief about an interview. Like if something went, rarely things went wrong, but you know, if somebody was, gave him a, a little hard time, he would kind of blow it off. But when I tell you that we left there and then we went to California, we tried to save Mike Pombo's seat. Remember that out there in California and all the way. Oh, yes. Then, then we, we were gone for like six days. By the time the fifth or sixth day rolled around, I was hiding in the bathroom of Air Force One from the president at one point because I was like, if he asked me one more time about that Brian Williams interview and Albert Camus and he would imitate him, he's like, oh, les strangers. <laughs> it was because the president is so smart and he read, it was so widely read and he had read it in high school. He's like, I just thought I should read it again, you know, whatever. But that's my story about les strangers. What? But what a disrespectful question. Uh, I mean, it was didn't he horrible. finish Yale? Yes, didn't of course. Bush First NBA Yale? president. Although when so, he liked so, to tell, uh, when he would go and do a commencement address, he would say, you congratulations to the valedictorian, amazing job. And to you, the salutatorian, like, wow, that's, you did such a great job. And to all of you C students out there, I say that 
one day you too can be president of the United States. Even though we didn't get C's, but anyway. Number four. Okay, my second book is a, a great summer read, I think. It is called Haven Point. It is written by Virginia Hume. It is a novel. This book takes place in 1945 up through modern day and in between Washington, D.C. and Maine, and this place called Haven Point, Maine. And it's about a fan, it's like a family drama. They spend their summers in this seaside enclave. It's on Maine's rocky coastline. And it's fantastic. The main character is named Marin. She is just what you would imagine as a, um, a wonderful, lovely matriarch of the family that holds everybody together. And it is written by the daughter of Brit Hume. And oh, really? I don't tell people to go read this because Brit Hume's daughter wrote it. I've known Virginia for many years. I was friends with the, the late Sandy Hume, who was her brother. And so Virginia and I have sort of known each other over the years. I wouldn't say we were like super close friends, but we've become more close since she sent me this book because I remember during the, uh, I read it about a month ago, during the day, I would think about the characters and I couldn't wait to get back to the book and read more about it later at night. So that was that's that's one I would highly recommend for the summer, Haven Point. You know, you raise a point when you find yourself thinking about uh, especially fictional characters that you've read about years after you've read the book, you know the author's done a really good job. Yeah. There's a character named Hadassah in a, a trilogy that my wife wanted me to read. Uh, and I still think, I mean, totally made up, but I still think how neat would it be if somebody um, actually was like that. I, I do want to, I, I am curious, how do you decide what you're going to read? What do you base it on? Well, I have to tell you that um, because a lot of people know that I read, um, they will send me their books, right? And not a lot of people send me their nonfiction work because they want me to promote it. And I don't always do that, but I will do it on the merits. And if I have time to read the book, which I don't always do, I will never trash a book publicly. Um, I will just never talk about it. But if I love a book, I will praise it. And so I will recommend books. And then I uh, will, I follow some authors on Instagram and I, I there's a few that I pay attention to there. I might see, like, the, I know that, um, for example, this year I read the, I, actually, I listened to The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna, but that's an author that I've read before. And so I guess things just pop up on social media or in the New York Times book review section or uh, Wall Street Journal has a great, um, they had a gr they have a great section every f season about the books that are coming out then. So, All right, can I ask you one more sure. really quick question? How often do you start a book and not finish it? Very, very rarely. I, in fact, I just finished a book that I hated. I'm not going to tell the name of it because I said I wouldn't. But when I finished it, I thought, who the hell thought this was a good idea for a book? It was terrible. I didn't like any of the characters. The plot was stupid. And I just, and Peter says to me, why do you do this to yourself? And I'm like, I don't know. Cause I guess like, I don't want to leave it hanging. And like, I don't want to be thinking about these characters during my day. I want to finish, finish that. Now there was a while ago, I read um, Bridge of Clay by a man named Marcus Zusak. And he is the author of a book I recommended to you, um, The Book Thief. Yes. So he wrote yes. uh, Bridge of Clay. And because I love him as an author and I had a chance to meet him one time, I bought the book immediately. And I'm 100 pages in 
it's a long book. I'm 100 pages in, and I happen to say out loud to Peter, I'm not sure where this thing's going. And he said, well, why would you do this to yourself? Why don't you just abandon it? And I said, because I trust him. And I'll tell you, the payoff at the end was so good. I was so glad that I read it. And that's that's another great book for people. Though it's not in my top five. Well, I have passed uh, your recommendation of The Book Thief um, on to uh, several of my friends, every one of whom um, has loved it. Yeah, so great. Uh, you're you're the best source for books uh, that yes, I Yes, I love it when people come to me and I'll curate a, a list for you for your vacation. <laughs> well, you have a lot of class to not name uh, the book that you read that you found completely uh, uninteresting. <laughs> I'll text you um, so that you or your wife well, don't I pick also, it up. I also read uh, the story of Jason Chaffetz's life, and I I uh, agree with you. I, I couldn't finish it either. So, <laughs> or or maybe it was another one. Now, do you have um, what's your number? Your number four. Uh, well, to make up for the stranger, I read uh, The Alchemist uh, by Paulo Coelho, and it is the opposite. It is the the meaning of life is right there in front of you, and happiness comes from the things you have rather than the things that you are out looking for. It is a simple but elegant book to kind of wash away the absurdism uh, of Camus. Um, Mm -hmm. And The Alchemist, I think, is also, it's been around for a while. It is just this simple notion that the treasure you're looking for in life is more likely to be out your front door than halfway around the world. You just gave me a great memory. I can picture on my mom's nightstand the hardcover, beautiful cover of that book. Uh, the Alchemist was uh, one that she had, and uh, it is a. You're right. That is a. That is a great one. Number three. My my number three is my next three are actually nonfiction. That's not usual for me. I could go on and on about other fiction I've read, and if you, anybody's interested, you DM me, and I'll I'll give you ideas. But I spent uh, Sunday this past week, with, don't anybody laugh, because I'm dead serious. This book is great. How I Saved the World by Jesse Waters. I'm telling you, this book is funny, insightful, extremely well-written, a page-turner, and at the at, at points, quite poignant and beautiful, and at other points, you just think, Jesse, you are hilarious, and also, you're such a jerk. <laughs> but, not a jerk, but, like, you're such an ass, is what sometimes I would say to him, but he is just terrific in this book, so it's How I Saved the World by Jesse Waters. Highly recommend. I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I, I don't know him, obviously. You you work with him. Um, I, I think he's really, really funny. And he has a sense of humor that you have to be somewhat thoughtful to come up with yes. what you he comes up it's with. Very intelligent. And it's, it's, a, it's a book with just a lot of heart. And I didn't want to put it down. Um, so I highly recommend that one. Well... My last three it will shock no one. Um, they're all historical fiction. I have always loved Ken Follett. I think the first yep. book I ever remember reading was actually on Johnny Bench. But the first book, uh, like real book, was The Eye of the Needle by Ken Follett. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He wrote a trilogy called The Century Trilogy. And if folks, you know, you mentioned learning more about the IRA um, if you want to learn more about World War One, all the way through up uh, un- until the Cold War, 
Uh, Follett's Century Trilogy takes you um, on that path with really interesting uh, characters. Uh, and it's probably been 12 months since I've finished it, but I, I loved it. And you still I think about it. Uh, I, because a lot of what he wrote about is still, we're still trying to navigate. Uh, there's a piece in there on the Middle East in the aftermath of World War II and the creation of the state of Israel. And we're still mm -hmm. trying to navigate mm -hmm. that. The countdown continues after this. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Number two. Okay, my number two. I had a chance to interview this author, and I had a chance also to uh, do a special for Fox News and Fox Nation with my former boss, George W. Bush. Uh, he has painted the portraits of 43 immigrants to America and has written the, their story that goes along with each of the paintings. Um, it's called Out of Many, One... And the stories are so well written that they have stuck with me ever since I read it one Sunday afternoon, morning actually. It was in front of the fireplace. It was freezing cold. And I just sat there. I thought, oh, I'll just take a look at a couple of these so that I can make sure I can do the interview well. And I read the entire thing cover to cover. And it's such a celebration of spirit and entrepreneurship and drive and courage and how people can be so resilient and then joyful that they can become Americans legally. Uh, I just really, really loved it. And it's a great book to give as a gift, but don't just look at the pictures. The, the stories are spectacular. Did he also write the stories or did, or did he do the Well, he knows a lot of the people. So yes, yeah. he had a heavy hand in it because um, there's people he's known over the years. Like for example, he, he became very close with former Secretary of State Kissinger, Henry Kissinger. And so he he got to know Henry over the years, so he only he can tell the story that way. Um, he, he does a, a portrait of Dina Powell, who is uh, a woman who worked for us, but she came as a little girl from Egypt when the Coptic Christians were being um, you know, treated very poorly in Egypt. And her parents came here, and he always loved the story about how her dad finally goes goes with her as her date to Harlan Crow's house in Dallas. And this is when Dina's now working for Goldman Sachs. And as they get out of the car, her dad says, oh, I've been here before. I've been to this house. And Dina says, Dad, you haven't been to Harlan's house. I would know if you'd been here. And he says, no, I was here. I mowed this guy's lawn. And there his daughter was having worked at the White House and then at Goldman Sachs. And it's stories like that, like what you just did, like the wow I felt like every single one of those stories had a wow moment, 43 of them. Well, he, um, you know, one of the things I want you to do for me, in addition to the other 100 million things you've done for me, I only met uh, President Bush once. And unfortunately, my wife was with me, so he paid absolutely no attention to me whatsoever. Um, in fact, the only thing he asked is, how did you get her? I remember him. That was the only question he ever asked me. How did this happen? I would love uh, to meet him. Um, 
at some point or play golf with him or something. So um, one of these days when I'm in Texas, maybe I'll look him up. Okay. I would like for you to meet him. I think that you two would get along great. Okay. What's your number two? two. Uh, Virtues of War by Stephen Pressfield, who um, is another one of my favorite authors. It's about Alexander the Great. And this is why I recommend it to people. Yes. Reading about Alexander the Great, you'll learn about history. Uh, you'll learn about, I mean, he, you know, very few people um, are called the great. So there was something about him. But I like the book because of what you find out about yourself. When you read about this amount of power and this amount of success, particularly at an early age in life, um, it was more of what this book made me think about and question about myself, more so than about a guy who lived several hundred years BC. Wow, I love that. You do read heavy, don't you? Uh, <laughs> wait till I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the one I'm reading now, but I'm going to tell you at the end okay. and you will appreciate why I am reading it now okay. and it'll help you understand the haphazard way I pick books. Well, I'm also going to recommend to you a series, historical fiction, but a little lighter. Uh, it's called the Maggie Hope series and Maggie is a fictional character, but, uh, half American, half British. And she goes to work for Churchill. And she's so smart with mathematics, she figures out a code by looking at two different tartans in uh, the newspaper. And because she's so smart, they make her the first female spy. Wow. And there's great books. You learn a lot, but they're also, you know, not, it's not too heavy. I, th- that's a character I think about all the time. My friend, um, well, she's a friend of mine now. I didn't know her before. But this is actually interesting how this book came to me. People see that I like books and whatever. Her publisher is super smart. Um, they're like, oh, maybe we'll just send this to Dana because she says she likes historical fiction and she lived in England for a while. Who knows? So I started reading these Maggie Hope books. and Now they send me one each time and I love promoting them because they're fantastic. Especially for young girls, right? Like it's not Nancy Drew. That's for like for a young Nancy Drew. I highly recommend, but that's for a younger set. But high school girls would love the Maggie Hope series. Well, if I were and so would you, girl, Trey. <laughs> if I were a high school girl, I would read it. But I would read now it. Now I right feel like you're I not going to read it because I just said that. No, no, I I, I read your book. And, that's and, true. And I was I was not your intended audience, no. but I I have a daughter and I work with young women, and I loved your book and I learned a lot. Oh, you gave my you gave me such a I lift don't. when you said that when you had me on that time. I was just blown away. Number 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 one. Five, four, three, two. Number one. Okay, my number one book for the year. You have to read this book. Meaning you, Trey Gowdy, and you listeners. I have a girlfriend named Jean Becker. She was the chief of staff to Bush, uh, George H.W. Bush and Barbara Bush, the 41s, as I call them, for 25 years after the presidency. And she wrote a book called The Man I Knew. And when I tell you it is spectacular, I still think about everything in that book. I cannot recommend it enough. It is such a great description about resiliency and bouncing back from a devastating and embarrassing disappointment when he loses in 1992 and how he decided to try to live his life. And it's a real blueprint for joy. There's a chapter where he returns to Chichajima, which is where he was um, shot down 
and nearly captured by the Japanese. And it is so touching and also charming and funny. There's a chapter about his relationship that he developed with Barack Obama, but mostly with Bill Clinton, as they went all around the world together to help raise money for tsunami relief. And then there's one called um, you, f- uh, you Die, I Fly, because several presidents would ask him if, they, if he would go and attend a funeral of a high-level dignitary from all around the world. Um, it's got sweet stories about the, the marriage, uh, funny stories about his pranks. He wrote a memo to the office staff about the coffee cups in the kitchen because he said everybody in America thinks that we're going to care enough about their cause that they send us a coffee cup. And he writes this very funny memo to get everybody to stop it and knock it off. Um, he has something called the Scowcroft Award, which was to award somebody with a point but with a point system for if they fell asleep in a meeting and if they recovered during the meeting, what the recovery was like when they realized that they'd been caught. And there's just so much in there. And even though I know how it ends, it was such a triumph to read about this life and to read this book. I just cried with sadness, but also with joy. It was amazing. I had to call the author as soon as I was done and say, you have outdone yourself. So I really hope that everybody has a chance to uh, read that book or... Her very good friend, George Dvorsky, is an actor, and he read the book for Audible, and that's another great way to learn about it. The man I knew. Mm-hmm. All right, my number one, and then I'm going to give you a caveat of what I'm reading now because I think you will uh, relate to the reason that I picked it. My number one is The Song of Achilles. I love Circe, which was by Madeline Miller. The Song of Achilles is a little bit different. Um, I, I, I do like Greek mythology, but even if you don't like Greek mythology, even if you just like Brad Pitt, um, you should probably know something about Achilles more than just the movie Troy. And when I think about that book, it is about outrunning the expectations of others, including your parents. Uh, it's about love um, and it's about pride. And it's about um, what you can accomplish, in his case, even in a really short life. Um, I, I love her writing. She's only written two books, to my knowledge, Circe and the Song of Achilles. But um, I loved them both. I am currently, Dana, reading because I have been thinking about Charles Krauthammer more mm. uh, uh, lately. I think because sometimes I'll fill in on the... Yeah, Six on, the, o'clock on the special report show. panel, you're fantastic. Well, I, you're kind to say that, but I, you, no one should ever feel uh, competent to sit on that panel because for years and years I watched one mm-hmm. of the most incredible minds. And I, I look, you saw him all the time. I only got to talk to him three times, but I remembered him saying what he was reading when he had his accident, his pool accident. Mm-hmm. And man's fate was what he was reading, along with the book on the on the spinal yep. cord. Yep. And so I said, you know what? There's a reason that Dr. Proudhammer was reading Man's Fate. Maybe mm-hmm. I should read it too. So I have started it. Uh, so far, I have not figured out why Dr. Proudhammer was reading that book. It was assigned to him. He... It was assigned. Okay. He was in philosophy. Right, well, he had a he sense. had a philosophy class. So I was the editorial director for his book, Things That Matter. And I had, at the time, I was um, a consultant for Crown Publishing. 
And I'd gone to them and said, I think that you should do a book with Charles Krauthammer. They agreed. And the idea was that he would do, um, he was going to write basically a book on politics and the way he thinks about it. So if you were taking, you know, advanced political science for your master's degree, you would read this book of Charles's. But he was, it was during the election and it was just too much. This is 2012. So he contacts uh, our agent, Bob Barnett. And he says, I'm going to send back the advance. I'm unable to get this done and also do my column and appear on special report four days a week. And Bob calls me. And I said, no, 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 no. Do not let him send that advance back. Because the original book I had pitched was a collection of his columns, especially the ones that were non-political. He had such a long list of work that he had done over the years. And one of them actually ends up being the first column in the book, Things That Matter which was about his brother dying, Marcel. And I can still remember exactly where I was when I read that column in 2008. I was at the Kitchen Island early morning before I went to the White House. We used to leave at like 6.08 so that I could get there by 6.14 so that I could get to my first meeting at 6.30 with a little bit of knowledge of what was going on in the world. And this book, Things That Matter, is so special. And I do. you remind me of him, not just on special report panel, but in terms of approach to life. And in my book, I say that one of the, a great skill for your career development is to become a better listener. And I say, who would I consider somebody who was a great listener, but also a great communicator? And it was Charles Krauthammer. And I think that you have that ability too, as like a really thoughtful, present listener, which makes you a better communicator and a more persuasive one. Well, that's uh, that may be the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Uh, having, I just, I remember bumping into him, I guess a total of four times, three times at Fox and one time at the airport. And there was a gentleness and a kindness and dare I say a sweetness about his disposition that you may have missed because he was so smart and so funny and so dry, and it took you a week to figure out what he meant after he said it on special report. But there was a kindness about him in uh, in one on one one on one dealings that I just um, I just thought you know what if it's good enough for him to read, you should try to get through it too. So thank you for telling me that it was assigned to him because that that made. Uh, <laughs> Like nobody picks up man's fate for like, actually, you'd probably be the only person I know that would actually pick that up and be like, oh, I really should read this for my summer reading at the beach. So far, I have not reached that conclusion. So far, I am wondering, why were you reading this, Dr. Crowdhammer? Can I ask you one more question? I know you have to go. If you could write a, a fiction piece, pure fiction, pure creative, would you do it and what would it be about? I have thought about it. I had a great idea, but I don't know how to I don't know how to write fiction. And somebody says, "Well, you just start writing it." I'm like, oh, "I don't know. I don't know, but okay, I'll tell you my idea." My idea was to have a modern day a book where it's a page turner. I would say literary fiction, but a little bit more fun, maybe, than like something real deep. And by the way, I read A Thousand Ships, which is um Greek mythology genre is a novel. I cannot believe I actually finished it. I'm I'm not saying it was a bad novel. I'm saying I don't get it. And I'm crossing Greek mythology genre off my list. I'm done. I've tried three times. 
I read. I don't even know what I'm reading. I'm like the sirens of the what, and, the, and I, I don't even like. Where did they come up with these names? And then I think, wait, is that a real person or is that like a half person or is that a? Oh gosh, forget it. I'm done with that. So my idea was, um, Democrats lose an election, a, a presidential election. They're so upset. It's close, right? Two points um, in the electoral college uh, number, and this woman is just so distraught that Democrats can't win. And she's so upset about the Electoral College, but they realize that it's not going to change in their lifetime. So they decide that they're going to figure out a way to deal, do with something. Everyone should do something. So this woman decides, you know, I um, am in my 30s. I haven't met anybody. I'm single. I'm going to move to a red state and try to change some minds. So she moves to a red state and she starts to meet all, meet all the people and she has all these plans and how she's going to persuade people that they need to become Democrats. And things happen to her all along the way, like uh, blows out a tire on the side of the road, has a raccoon in her fireplace, on and on. All these things happen. And it turns out she realizes, oh, these are actually good people. And she falls in love and realizes that politics doesn't matter. So there's the plot. I don't know. If anyone wants to write it up, feel free. <laughs> well, why... All the authors that you know, that you have befriended or that you have gotten to know, why don't you tag team with someone who writes That's a good idea. fiction and collaborate together? I don't know, because I also feel like I kind of, I would love to do it myself, but I just really don't think I know how. I know, but that's not a bad idea. I actually hadn't thought of that, of, of working with somebody. Hmm. Well, I think it's... I tell you what, it, it it had me thinking of some miniseries that I have watched about doctors that went to different parts of the country at a at a grudger at a drudgery, thinking that they were going to change them, and they wound up falling in love. Yeah, I'm embarrassed at some of the miniseries like Virgin River and. Um, well, Virgin that's Virgin River is a great example of what I'm talking about because people like to watch that show, even though they don't like to admit it, but you just did publicly. Well, and I'm also going to deny it, and my lawyers advised me to retract that. But <laughs> I, I actually, the, just you know, it is. E- Tim Scott and I all the time say to one another, "It is easy to hate something you don't know." Yeah. But once you get to know it, yep. That's so, why you got to get to know I'm, your fellow people. Well, you're you're my best source for new material because I I can't. My decision to read Man's Fate is is. <laughs> is impacting my own fate. So I'm, I'm going to stick with your recommendation. All right. All right. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Let us know your top five. You've been listening to Fox Top Five on the Fox News Podcast Network. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.